before we get started, why don't we just all just stand up real quick and just give thanksgiving to the Heavenly Father. Let's just, just thank Him with your own words, just for His love, for His mercy, for who He is. We appreciate fathers. We thank God for fathers, and we thank God more than anything else that He is. He is the Father. God is the Father, not just the King, not just the Lord of the universe. He's the Father. And even right now, God, we, we recognize your presence. We worship you. We thank you that you're a good father to us. You've been faithful to us. You teach us. You're patient with us. God, you are the model to life. You, you're, you're the one that satisfies our hearts. You're the one who protects us, provides for us. And even right now, God, we, we recognize the fact that you are our father. We are your children. And in Jesus' name, we want to just give you that appreciation even this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, with all of our hearts, I pray, place inside of us a greater capacity, God, to appreciate, to really know and appreciate exactly who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can turn if you want to Ephesians 3 real quick. I think it's right to... Uh, to start by talking about the Heavenly Father, you know, Happy Father's Day once again. To you men who are fathers and even the ones that might not have children, those of you who are fathers to others in the faith. You know, Paul called himself a father to Timothy. We appreciate that about you men and, and I want to talk for a second just about God as Father. How he is our ultimate model and I want to just bring it home. Bring it home to the, to, to the fathers and to the men in this house in Jesus' name. And in the book of Ephesians, you know, the first three chapters has very little to do with man's responsibility. Has very little to talk about in conjunction with commands given to the church at large. What it does is it lifts up the finished work of God. It magnifies the wisdom of God. It magnifies the administration of God's plan in the earth. It talks about what has always been real in God's heart. What has always been a dream in God's heart and how he's made it come to pass. And how it's coming to pass still. And for three chapters he talks about that. We can't talk about what it, what it means to be a father. We can't talk about our responsibility as men before we look at God. We need to first look at God as the model. He is father. And in chapter 4 verse 1, it's, it's the practical living out of what God has already accomplished. He starts with, listen, therefore, because of these things... Let's walk it out this way. But before he gets there, there's a prayer wedged in between. Magnifying who God is and talking about the practical realities of how we live that out. Let's look at that for a second. Ephesians 3 verse 14. This is what he says. For this reason. What is the reason? Because of what God has accomplished. Because of what God has made real. For this reason. I bow my knees before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you would be rooted and grounded in love. That you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Listen, I, this, is, this is to everybody, but specifically today this is for the fathers. This is for the men. Both the fathers already and the fathers to be. This is for the men out there tonight, or this morning, this afternoon, today. This is what Paul says, because of what God has made real that compels me to fall on my knees. Before I can live out the life God has called me to be, I need to fall on my knees. Because of the reality of what God has accomplished, because I know one thing for sure, God has made himself real to me through his son. This drives me to my knees. A man recognizes who God is and is driven to his knees. Jesus Christ himself, the perfect model of the Father. He tells Philip, when Philip asks him, just show us the Father and it will be enough. 
He says to him, Philip, how long have I been with you and you, you still do not know me? Jesus Christ is the, is the express image of God. He is the face of God. We see the son in Philippians chapter 2 who submitted himself in meekness to the perfect will of the father. Humility and meekness characterize God. Humility and meekness characterizes a man of God. It characterizes a father. And when a man comes to face to face with the reality of who God is, before he can do anything else, he is driven by, by the humility of what he has encountered to his knees. He bows his knee to the one father. Listen, all of us have fallen short. And all of us, no matter how good your father was, no matter how much of a man of God your father was in the house that you grew up with, we have all fallen short of the standard. You don't just, you know, you don't just become a father overnight like Jose said. You can, you can sire a child in the earth, but it doesn't mean you're a father. But this is what Paul's talking about in chapter three. He's talking about what God has done. The scriptures make plain God has put his spirit in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is the very DNA of God. We have the imperishable seed of God in us. All all of us have a poor reference point for what it means to be a father if we only have the reference point of a human being. If we only go back to our father, if we only go back to our family and try to reproduce that, we will fail miserably no matter how good of a man your father was. But why is Paul driven to his knees by both awe and humility? Because of what God has accomplished. Because what God has accomplished in giving his spirit to us. God wants to make us just like himself. Listen to you men. To us as men, God has given us the high call to bear his image. Men and women the same, the human race. But God has given us in this life the stewardship, the responsibility to bear his image as father. It's nothing that you chose for yourself before you came into the world. And it's nothing that you can live out yourself by reading enough books or by gritting your teeth enough. It's only by recognizing that God himself is the only one that can reproduce his image in you. A man of God is a man on his knees. And to you men, to you fathers and to you fathers-to-be, before we learn to father through basic principles of how to budget, you know, your checkbook and how to be responsible, how to go to work, how to teach your family authority, how to teach your kids morals, before you learn all those things that come both through study, both through, you know, reading, both through adopting certain things that are true from the scriptures. And even as you go, before any of those things come into place, you will learn how to be a father. And you will continue to learn how to, how to be a father as you learn to do so on your knees. And what does he say in the next verse? He says... That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you would be rooted and grounded in love. Listen, you know, in our day and age, a father's a lot of things. But for, for some reason, I don't know why, you don't find a lot of books, especially in the secular circles, about how a father is characterized and defined by one thing before every other, and that's love. You know, it's so easy to go to these studies and et cetera, et cetera, about what it means to be a father, and a father is, is a source of protection for the home. He's an authority figure in the home. He's, he's a provider for the home. A father is the authoritarian. A father does this. A father does that. But how about love? Well, that's the mother's job. Really? The father himself is love. The Bible says God is love. And Paul's writing to men, men and women, but listen, in this context right now, I'm speaking to men. And you best believe he's talking to men in his days, in his day and age as well, when he says this. He says, listen, if you, this is what you need to be driven to your knees and that God would enlarge your heart to be under, to be able to understand who he is and that he would give you the capacity to be like him. And this is what it's like. 
love. This is what it means to be a father, love. God wants to make us more so what we already are, bearers of his image. And, has, and as men who are fathers, this is it right here, love. You know, we talk a lot about a woman's love. And I thank God for, for, for the women who have exemplified the love of Christ to such degrees that it puts men to shame so often. But let's not forget about the love of a father. Let's not forget about the fact that Father God is characterized by love. He's defined by love. And let's not relegate that off to the women and to our wives. They're the compassionate ones. They're the loving ones. It's not for us. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's not who God is. God wants to reproduce his, himself in us. God wants to teach us men how to be fathers. God wants to teach us how to lay down our lives. Jesus says no man has greater love than this and to lay down his life. The greatest definition of love is to lay down your life. We as men set, we set the tone for our families, not just because we have the authority to say what we're going to do and not do, but because we lay down our lives. Listen, that's the evidence of a leader and a father in the home. It's not that you can bring home a paycheck. Anybody can work and bring home a paycheck. I praise God for that, especially in our day and age. Where, where, where all, you know, it's, it's so that the family has so deteriorated. We have so, we have been so desensitized by this MTV culture. The value systems are so flipped that as Dr. Brown says, if an un, an, an unsaved person in the 1940s were to, were to fall into a coma and wake up today, an unsaved person, He'd be in complete shock of what's going on in the church, much less in the world. What happened to the value systems? Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle those things. I'm not saying responsibility is not important. All those things issue out of love. But that does not equate as love. Because you discipline is not necessarily evidence that you love. It's an aspect of love. Because you provide does not fully define love. It's an aspect of love. Because you know how to make decisions and you protect doesn't mean that you love. Because even people in the world do those things to certain degrees. Love is to lay down your life for your family. Love is to put yourself last. Listen to you men. God has called us to be like father. We are called fathers... Not because God came up with a fancy term for human beings. Because he wanted to make us just like himself. And the triune economy of God, God has chosen for us males to represent that aspect of who he is in this earth. And if we're going to do that to any degree, we must understand that the father is love. Before he is anything else. And he lays down his life for those that he loves. And he puts his interests last. Listen, Jesus Christ, the express, image, the express image of the Father, showed us who the Father was. He had one mission on the earth, to show us the Father. Brother Bob Glass, when I heard him say something one time that I, that I really liked, he said, the Father loved the Son so much that the only thing he can do, his love was so overwhelming for the son that he said, I have to multiply him. I love him so much, I have to multiply him into millions of people so I can love him even more. You know, he's the, he's the head of a new race. Not that we're gods, but we are according to the order of Jesus Christ. We are in Christ Jesus. God wants to love. And in, even in the son, we see love, we see love, we see the father. He lays down his life. Meekness, humility. He serves those that's, that serve him with love. What did Paul say in the love chapter, what we call the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13? After talking about what love is, he says this, listen. When I used, when I used to be a child, I used to think like a child. I used to behave like a child. I used to speak like a child. When I became a man. 
When I came of age, when I came into the consciousness of maturity, I put aside childish things. Listen, the context in that chapter is love. He's contrasting what it means to be a father, what it means to be a man, with what it means to be a child. A child thinks about himself first. A child thinks about how do they affect me? What does this make me look like? All these kids are taken away from my dreams. No, that's what a, ch- a child blames other people. It's her fault. It's her fault I'm not more of a man of God. If I, if it's my kids' fault. It's all these other people's fault. A child thinks about what is in it for me. How can I be benefited best? No matter what happens to everybody else, a man, a father thinks about this. I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to better them. I'm going to lift them up. I want, my, I want my ceiling to be their floor. However far I get, I want that to be their beginning. I want to better them. That's what I want. I want to invest my life in them to make them greater. And in making them greater, I shine greatest. That's what causes me to shine. Causes, making others to shine makes me shine. That's why I find my value. That's what drives me. Not to have people's, not to have people's votes, not to gain votes in the house. Not to have people fear me and tell me how, how much of a great man I am. Listen, a little child needs to be affirmed every single day about what, how great of a sports player he is. Little children need that. Fathers don't need the constant affirmation of the children. It's, it's, it's vice versa. Your child needs yours. Let me interject and say this. We appreciate you praying wives. And some of you out there who maybe, maybe you've had struggles in this issue, in, in, in this area with this issue, don't be discouraged. Continue to pray for the man in your life and continue to exemplify forth the character of Christ. Show him what God is like. But listen for you men. First John chapter 2. The Apostle John, the Apostle of Love, is talking to the church and he differentiates between the different, the different modes of people, people at different places in their life. He says, I write to you fathers, I write to you young men, I write to you children. One of the things about the children is this, and when he's, and, and when he's writing, he's not writing to children's church, the youth group, and the adult service. He's writing to different modes, different levels of maturity in the church amongst the men. Paul calls Timothy his child in the faith. Paul calls himself a father. Paul calls Corinthians believers who are most likely adults, babes in Christ. Little children know this. You love him because your sins were forgiven. You love the father. I'm writing to you little children because you love the father for this reason, because your sins were forgiven. But I'm writing to you fathers for this reason, because you know him who's from the beginning. You know him. You know the father. You know the father. You know the one true father. You know him who's from the beginning. What does a little child know? My sins are forgiven. I'm not going to hell no more. God bless me, provide for me, meet my needs, make me happy, help me out. Put a smile on my face, pay my bills. And I'll love you and I'll worship you for it. And if not, I'll walk around with a frown on my face and make sure everybody in the family knows whether I voice it or not. What is a, what is a, what's the difference between a child and a, and a father in the house of God? Irrelevant of what your age is. What's the difference? A father knows him who's from the beginning. A father understands who God is like, understands his eternal scope, understands what he's trying to reproduce in the earth. He understands God's heart. For all of you adults out there who have grown children, it does something to you. When your child comes up to you as an adult himself or maybe a teenager and is concerned about what you're concerned about, did we pay the light bill this month? You know, how's, how, how, how are we doing financially? You know, what can I pray for you for? You know, what's, what's going on? How can I help you? How can I help serve you? You know, a lot of parents would have heart attacks if that were to happen. But it, it does something to a parent. And I haven't, obviously, I haven't experienced that yet. You know, my kids are a little young. But, but nonetheless, I mean, you, see, you might see trickles of it. But nonetheless, you know, it does something to a parent. Why? Because you see the growth and the maturity in your child. They're coming to a place where they're, where they're learning to think more than just about themselves and their needs and what they want and what makes them feel happy. 
They want to bless you. That's fatherhood. When you're no longer the central issue in your life. When it's no longer just about you. And your wife is the reason you're not more spiritual because she's not making you happy enough. Lay down your life for her. Lay down your life for your kids. Lay down your life for your brothers. Lay down your life for the lost. And don't just show up with the fact, don't just show up with the list of, of what you've done and try to equate that as love. Lay down your life, that's love. Fathers, the difference between fathers and children. Fathers lay down their lives. Children want to be blessed. The strength and meekness. Listen, fathers model out the life of God to the family. There's a great responsibility upon us as men. And listen, I want to say this again and encourage you. God will never ask us to do anything that he will not empower us to do. That's why Paul is driven to his knees in chapter 3. Because of what God has accomplished that he talks about in chapter 1, 2, and the first part of 3. God has made it possible through the death of his son and through giving us his Holy Spirit to come into the Holy of Holies and to receive divine life on the inside of us. He has made it possible for us to be just like him. We have the imperishable seed of heaven living on the inside of us. We have the spirit of God on the inside of us. We have the seed of God, the consciousness of God, his identity in us that we steward, that is growing more and more and more. As we behold him and the posture is on our knees. That's the posture. We walk this thing out in humility on our knees. Men in America, around the world, and especially in America, have this thing with the pride of life. Don't let the spirit of seduction come and take your head off. Listen, I was just talking to a friend recently, and he was talking to me. He says, you know, Dave, man, I've been praying, and God is talking to me time and time again. That In these last days, the devil's going to unleash, unleash a spirit of seduction upon a church in a greater way than ever before. And I, believe, I believe it looks like 1 John chapter 2, the lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Sexual immorality. Possessions in this life. And your your Adamic ego. We got to let go of that ego. Meekness is fatherhood. And meekness is strength. We've been lied to. We've been lied to by and large by the world system that has told us that to be a man, to walk in strength, is to lord your authority over others. It's to prove why you're great. We've been told that the other route of meekness and humility is in fact not manly. It's the complete opposite in fact. Because if anybody was manly, Jesus Christ was manly. He is the order of, he is the first one. Raised from the dead, the glorified man. He is the picture of what, what the man was always supposed to look like. Strength and power looks like meekness. Strength and power looks like us not feeling like we have to defend ourselves. To defend our egos. To defend what we feel we have accumulated, our resume. Where love compels us to such a degree that those things don't stick on us. We model out the life of God. For you men who have kids and for you men who will have kids, you've heard the old adage, you know, don't don't do as I do, do as I say. When raising kids or when discipling others, even in the church, an older man discipling a younger man, we equate the Bible study with discipleship. We equate the Bible study with modeling out to our children what it looks like to be a man of God. We equate the Bible study in the service with showing our, our, our wife what it looks like to be God, what it looks like to serve. That's not the way. It's not don't do as I do, do as I say. It's do as you see me do. We model out the life of God. We don't just talk about it. Of course, there has to be speech added to actions. 
It's the way God has caused us to communicate above every other in the earth. But listen, the way we show forth love is not by, not by demanding that they worship, not by demanding that they serve, not by demanding that they respect. It's by, re- by revealing forth the Father God with our lives. Modeling the life of God. That's the way we do it. With that said, I want to really bring it home for the last few minutes. I don't want to keep you guys all day today. I know people got their roasts on slow cook at home. Or at your in-law's house. But you men, I want you guys to recognize the influence. I want you to recognize the statistics that we face today. I want you to recognize for a moment what has happened in America alone, not even including the rest of the world as a result of a full-on onslaught and attack against the father in the house. I want you to know the fact that, it, I don't know what the stats are, I know Frankie knows some because he worked with that program, GRIP, and with fatherless young men and, and women in Chicago, but I know it's over 80% of all those incarcerated did not have fathers in the home. It's somewhat to like something like over 75 to 80%, the women who, or, or I'm sorry, teenage girls who get pregnant before they get married did not have a father in the home. When you have domestic abuse, etc., drug addiction, on and on and on, suicide, on and on and on and on and on. Every stat that we see that has destroyed the moral fiber of this, of our culture and in our nation. Once again, more than anything else, outside of the fact that Christ was not present in that family, it's this one thing. The father was, was neither not in the home or himself was rendered powerless because he himself, he himself was a slave to those things. The family breaks down when the image of God breaks down as, as revealed by the father in the home. When the love of God is not revealed through the man in the house, the family breaks down. When the order of God is no longer kept in the house, the family breaks down. Recognize the influence. Recognize the fact that it's not just you against them, meaning your family members. They're not, they're not your problem. They're not your enemies. Other brothers in the church, those are not your enemies. Paul, in this, in this letter to the Ephesians, the last chapter, he says, listen, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. My enemy is not my wife. My enemy are not my children, not my blood, not my kin. It's not my brothers in the church. Those are not my enemies. It's not even those in the world. Those are not my enemies. Recognize the fact that there's an assault against fatherhood in the earth. Recognize the fact that the devil is knocking on the hearts of men and is eating them up. Recognize the fact that it says in the book of Proverbs that her throat is an empty grave and how many of the mighty have fallen as a result of her. That spirit of seduction, that tempestress, fornication, pornography, adultery, uh, uh, sexual immorality, an assault against the minds and the hearts of men, the pride of life, trying to prove yourself, a little boy who never grew up, still trying to get the pats on the back from the schoolyard of why you're hard, of why you're a man, still trying to get affirmation of why you're a man instead of looking to the father and hearing his voice, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Respond to my love and I'll teach you how to be a father. I'll make you like myself. God's dream is to make us like himself. The greatest possible thing that you can ever experience in this life is to yield to God's dream and God's plan for you. That he can make you like himself. He can make you in the image of the son who perfectly reflects God as a human being. Who perfectly reflects love as a human being. Listen men, don't be ignorant about the fact that there's an assault against fathers in the earth. Don't just go about your merry day just thinking that as long as I apply these principles to my life, as long as I add these things to my life, as long as I stay within some kind of a fellowship, as long as I go to church and try to read the Bible every once in a while, I'll be okay. Give me a, give me a few books on what it means to raise kids and, and I'll know what it's like to be a father. Don't be deceived. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We have enemies in high places. And yes, they have very clear strategies. And yes, those strategies involve cutting you down as the man of God you're called to be. 
and the father you're called to be. Listen, we need you. We need you to be, to be the man that you're called to be. God is looking to us as men to bear his image. God is looking to us as men to lead by love. God is looking to us as men to lead on our knees. God is looking to us as men to enlarge our hearts, that he would come in, that we can grow in our love and our capacity to reveal him in the earth, to experience him intimately as men. Love makes a man. Meekness makes a man. God equates those things with strength. The first among you shall be last. Paul says, listen, apostles are first in the church and apostles are the scum of the earth. How about that hierarchy for the church? Apostle, prophet, then comes teaching all the rest. But listen, this is what apostle looks like. The scum of the earth and the dregs of all things. God has counted us to be a last of all. In the house, in the book of Ephesians, what comes first? The father comes first. The father is last. Listen, the, the father comes first in the role of authority in the home, but he comes last in the role of, actually ser- of, of actual service and laying down his life. If, if, a, if the apostle in the scripture gets a job to provide for his sheep, and that's what Paul did. If he says, I make up in my body the affliction and the beatings that lack on your behalf. What you can't handle yet, I'll carry that weight for you. If that's, if that's what an apostle looks like as the first, then what does a father look like as the first? I'll bear the load that you can't carry yet, and I won't put my load on you. You men, don't let your wives carry your load. Don't let them carry your prayer load. Don't say that's just not for me. I'm just not made that way. I'm just not made. You have, you're a woman. You, first of all, where in the world do we ever get the idea that like this, the gift of intercession or whatever, which I can't even find in the Bible, is for women? I mean, where is that? My wife has the gift of intercession. And you know how many men I've met that say that their wives have the gift of intercession? And once again, I'm not trying to take anything away from you women that, that feel like, wait a minute, you saying that I don't have... I'm not saying that. I'm saying that's great. But what I'm saying is what it means is that my wife prays. That's what he's saying. My wife really prays. She has that gift. What in the world is that? What do you mean your wife has that gift? Men, we are, don't let your wife carry the prayer load in the house. A man of God is a man of God and leads his home by modeling the father on his knees. Paul is driven to his knees by what God has done. And after that, he says, listen, now let's walk this thing out. I'm driven to my knees because of the revelation of who God is. And I'm asking him to enlarge my heart that I can love like he loves. And I recognize I'm not going to will myself into this. It's according to his power that's at work in me. As I yield and I surrender to his love and the finished work of the cross, he'll make me more like himself. And now let's walk this thing out. Now let's walk this thing out. I, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk this thing out in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Men, you have been called to be a father in the earth. You have been called to bear the image of him who is called father. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you grit your teeth, you cannot will yourself into the nature of God. You cannot make yourself a better father by applying good principles and just trying harder. That's not the system God has set up. You cannot be like someone you are not. But God will make himself alive in you. As you recognize who he is. As you meditate upon his word. As you recognize what he's accomplished. As you open up your heart to him. And ask him to flood you with the power and the ability to behold him. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. You can carry weight in God. God will fill you up with his love. You can model God to the earth. Matter of fact, you're called to. You're called to model God to the earth. You're called to model the Father in the earth. But recognize this one thing. That, one, that pursuit and that endeavor will not go untested. It will not go untested. 
And I want to say this one thing. 16 years ago, God really broke out in Pensacola, Florida on Father's Day. It happened to be Father's Day. An evangelist that was in Argentina for years named Steve Hill came and he preached a message of repentance on Father's Day. That was the beginning of a move over a span of a few years that impacted literally millions of people. I'm not saying that we looked at that as some kind of a model to try to reproduce, but I think it's interesting to me that God chose to move in a supernatural way to the degree that it impacted and affected millions of people by preaching a, a repentance message to a church, but especially to men on Father's Day. Calling men back to God was the beginning of a move of God and a revival, not just in the church, not just in the family, but to a certain degree in the world. What was it? It was calling men back to God. Repent of your sin. Repent of your pride. Repent of your self-righteousness. Respond to the Father. Come to the Father. I believe God wants to strike at the root of sin even today. Listen, we strike at the root of sin and the wellspring of life opens up. When I say sin, I'm not talking only about what we would call the explicit ones, but you better believe I'm talking about the explicit ones. It's not only the explicit ones, but yes, sir, it is the explicit ones. There's sin in your life. The spirit of seduction, like, like a cons boa constrictor snake, is starting to suffocate the life of God out of you. You need to come up here and repent today. If your pride suffocates your ability to know God as Father, to demonstrate Him in love in your home, to lay down your life for your wife and your children, you need to ask God, you need to humble yourself and ask God to wash those things away and set you free that you can be what He's called you to be. And bear his image as a father in the house, as a father in this world. If it's, if it's the desire for things, how many of us equate success with money? You, you recognize that we as Americans, even in the middle class, are more rich than like 90% of the world? No matter, I can say, I can say for sure everybody in this room is 90% richer or is richer than 90% of the rest of the world. We equate success with money and, and, and buying the next new thing so that we can impress who knows who that we work with. He doesn't care about you anyways. He doesn't love you. Who do you think you're impressing? They don't care about you. You know the people who care about you? Your brothers in the Lord. Your wife, your children. The Lord cares about you. That's who cares about you. We got to put those things to the side. We got to stop trying to equate manliness and fatherhood with the ability to make money. We got to stop making excuses about why she prays and you don't. And why all men get tempted that way. Which doesn't even mean what you're trying to make it mean. You're saying why all men fall like you do. That's what you mean when you say that. God is calling us to be men. And the good news is this. Listen, none of us None of us can do it on our own. None of us. None of us have what it takes. The very plan of salvation. None of us have what it takes. We all fall short. This is the good news. But he wants it for us. Because it glorifies him to make you like himself. It glorifies him to reveal his image in and through you. It glorifies him to invite you into partnership with him in the earth and in the heavens forevermore. And it glorifies him to make you like himself in the role of father. And it glorifies him to see you lay down your life for those that you love. To reveal what God is really like. So I want to just have you guys stand real quick. I'm going to pray for the fathers, the fathers-to-be. Yeah, did I say all the guys stand? I, did I, I said that, didn't I? Okay, all the guys stand. 
Sorry. <laughs> All the guys stand. We want to pray for the men. Fathers and fathers-to-be. Both, obviously, those who have actual children, those who have children in the Lord, those who will have children or will have children in the Lord. You know, God comes to Adam and Eve. He always comes to Adam first. But Eve ate. Yeah, but he comes to Adam first, always. Listen, the responsibility falls on us first. It's not to put some kind of weight of condemnation on you, but it is to sober you, young man. It is to sober you, sir. It falls on us. It, this is what falls on What falls on us? What falls on us? Doing the million things from How to Lead Your Family book? No, this is what falls on us. To recognize who God is and to fall on our knees. And to ask God to enlarge our capacity to know his love. That's what falls on us. Don't complicate things. Don't, don't go all the way to C. We, we skip A, B, and C. We always try to go to Z. Don't worry about those things. What falls on us? That's what falls on us. For us to fall to our knees and recognize God as Father, the God of the universe, who has made it possible for us to come up into Him and ask Him to enlarge our hearts that we can behold His love in a greater way so that we ourselves can be like Him in the earth. To fulfill the call of God in our generation. To lay down our lives for our wives, for our children, for the lost, for our brothers. All men come to the front. Let's just call on the Lord for a while. As men, let's just come to the front. Listen, do business with God. If, if there's sin in your life, confess it to God. Repent of that thing. Open your mouth and confess it. If you know it's pride, confess it to God. If you don't know of anything outrightly that you know that you're just doing that's, that's really affecting your ability to know God, ask God. Listen, on your, let's, let's, and let's do it on our knees. Let's ask God as men on our knees. Whether you guys get on your knees at the altar or right over here by the front, let's ask God as men on our knees, God. Help me to love you more. Give us pure hearts. 
Let us not lift our souls to another. Oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks Your face. Oh God, Jacob. Oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks Your face. Oh God, Jacob. Father God, Lord, I pray for us as men, as fathers, in Jesus' name, God, that you would give us the grace to live disciplined lives, God. We could be an example to our wives and to our children, Lord, of what it is to, to, to be in control of our lives because we've given it to you, God. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would not let us forget the sting of conviction today, Lord God, of our shortcomings. God, that that would keep us in line, Lord, and submitted to you, Lord. God, we lay all of our excuses to the side, Lord. And we, we, we kneel before you now and admit, God, that, that we don't have it all together, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name for the grace of heaven to fill our hearts, God. That we would be an example to our family, Lord. That we'd be an example to our unsaved family members, God of what it is to, to, to be godly men and godly husbands, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, God. Give us the grace, Lord, to live disciplined lives, God. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, from fathers-to-be to grandfathers, Lord, that we would be an example to the next generation, Lord, and to those in our generation, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, God. Give us grace, Lord. Fill us with the Holy Spirit, God. We can't do it on our own, God. We've tried and we've failed, Lord. We can't do it by ourselves, God. Lord, we can't mimic other men, Lord. We need you to teach us, God. Give us your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, God. Fill us with more of you, God. You reveal yourself time and time again in the New Testament, Lord, as the Father, God. Teach us what it is to be fathers, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, stamp this on our hearts, God. And Lord, I pray that in this church, you would give us true and real accountability, Lord. That we would be real with one another, God, as to where we are with our families, where we are with our kids, God. From, from the deep desire of, of seeking you daily, God, to praying with our wives and with our kids, Lord. To providing God to being an example with our speech God not cut, cutting down our wives and our kids Lord I pray in Jesus name bring conviction into our hearts God by your Holy Spirit conviction that draws us closer to you and teaches us how to be men God I pray in Jesus name make this a reality in our hearts 
For the Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For the Father did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That is what our Father has done, and that is what we are to do. Send our children into the world so that the world can be saved. Duplicate ourselves into them. Be the example of our Father. Be consistent. Be determined. Be on our knees. But that is what the Father did for us. In Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you again for today and your word. God, you're precious. And I pray that everyone in this room just again just fixes their eyes on you, Lord. And God, when we want to look to see what a father looks like, we run to your word. We open up your word and we just open our hearts, God, and just see you. How beautiful you are, Father. God, I thank you so much for today, Lord God, and the work you're doing in the men's hearts and even in the women's hearts. Everyone here in the youth's hearts, Father, in the children's hearts, in Jesus' name. Uh, you can now be dismissed. Uh, if anyone needs prayer, um, if you're having some issues even with your own father or anything like that, uh, feel free to come up. We're willing to pray for you. Um, you can be dismissed. Amen.